0: Ready, set, shape. Uh. The ShapeShift Podcast is brought to you by Shape, the most powerful mortgage software with everything from texting, lead management, a dialer, LOS integrations, and over 5,000 other apps to help LOs take more deals from new lead to closed loan. Welcome to ShapeShift, I'm your host, Jimmy Ryan. And I'm your host, Scott Payne. What's up guys, so today we're interviewing Katherine Campbell. Catherine is the CMO, Chief Marketing Officer of Animac. Uh, she's a FinTech strategist, and she's had 20 years in the FinTech and financial services industry. And uh, we're gonna kind of nerd out on, on Shape. Uh, her company, Animac, just uh, got, the whole company signed up for Shape. Uh, welcome to the show, Catherine.
1: Thank you. So happy to be with you guys. One of my favorite topics is shape today. So great to be talking about it.
0: Hey, for sure. So we're going to kind of nerd out. I want to d- go into some stuff about shape, but first I want to talk about some p- personal stuff. So what does a CMO do and how did you find yourself in the position of chief market? I mean, it sounds fancy, you know? I mean, yeah. how did you find yourself in the-, in the chief marketing officer role at Animac?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. You know, yesterday's digital marketers, which we were begging people to listen to us. I promise we knew what we were talking about. We were really the only marketers back in the day that had real numbers, right? Real metrics to prove that the things that we were doing were actually working over traditional campaigns and, and, uh, you know, the CMOs back in my early days of, of evolving into marketing. So today, that's how you get to be CMO. You actually know those numbers. You actually understand what works. And there's a very fine line between a CMO who is strategizing everything from go to market marketing working with loan officers particularly in the mortgage industry and actually uh, utilizing the technology for automation. And so they there is a very um you know fine line between who is the CMO and who is where I was before the CDO the chief digital officer right. These two are starting to merge you know the higher your role goes in the company the more critical it is that you're not just assigning people these projects that you actually understand the consequences of these decisions, which is how we got to shape. So how do
0: you know, though? So like, I I like to ask this, I'll, I'll expand on it, but uh, there's a lot of people that will jump on Facebook and make a video, let's just say, or has been making videos for a long time or whatever. And there's a lot of, I think like overnight, I'm a digital creator type of a thing. What, it, it, Catherine, what, what did you have to go through to become an expert?
1: So here's, here's how I, I like to put it. There's also what a lot of people would think is a very fine line between a salesperson and a marketer, right? Because what am I doing? I'm actually trying to sell you to come over so that we can generate leads, right? Generate business. Particularly a traditional marketer's mind might not really be tied to ROI or recognizing their responsibility to market share growth, but that is very much in tandem to what we're doing while we're aligning marketing as a service in a company to make sure we're servicing the direct-to-market uh, sales team, which is our loan officers. Right. So I call sales an art, you know, really convincing someone to come to you for, you know, what is ultimately a commodity, right? With lots of people do this. You can go online and do this. You could ask your realtor to do this. You could ask your neighbors. So how, how did you get that person to work with you Is an art you're reading their needs, you're understanding their, their core need for the product and you're convincing them to work with you. That is an art. And of course they're very smart because the, the product is complex. But marketing is a science and you really have to go at this intentionally. You you should understand by, by the point that you're at my level for certain what has worked and what has not worked. And also, what to let go of, right? What is it that not every single thing has to be a market share growth, but maybe make people happy, right? Make help them enjoy their jobs, help them, you know, simplify the path to a conversation on social media, let's say. So you know, there's there is a strategy involved today that is very technical and very personal, and that is how once you prove success, you can grow your career in this.
0: Wow, I. I mean, I really love that. I, I wanna, we're gonna get into strategy and, and what works, but I just, I, I wanna ask this cause I think it's just pertinent to the conversation. Uh, how, what's your biggest failures in marketing? What's something that you tried that you learned a lot from?
1: Back in the day, so this would have been um, 2010, circa 2010, I think. I worked for a life insurance company and I had this genius idea that um, we could pick up texting campaigns. And it was a good idea because at the time, you know, everything that's new is novel for the end user. So they actually respond to these initial, like, you know, used to be direct mail. And then it was like, I actually got emails. I just got an email, right? And now you're like email blocker, email blocker, right? So You know, as technology evolves, so does the opportunity to market and get in front of people. So I decided to run a a text campaign. And I don't know that I would call the campaign a failure, but failure to understand how to work with people is usually the only reason why things really fail. Right. So I ran this, you know, we, we ran TV ads all over the place and I just put a little, a little, little tiny line at the end of the TV ad that said, you know, text your age and we'll give you a quote for your life insurance. Well, uh, I'm, I mean, I would have never guessed how many texts were coming in. They thought that was the coolest way to get a quick quote for life insurance. And we were doing that. so I started handing them to salespeople. I'm like, Oh my God, guess what? We don't have this junk form with, you know, this email, you know, Mickey Mouse email number in here. We've, they're, they're not only giving us their real phone number because they're texting from their phone. They're on it right now. I mean, they just texted, call these people. It was fascinating because what was very difficult to get, you know, a, a change in behavior from the sales team started to become a frenzy of, I want those numbers, which started to become a complete competition with TV media. And so then they started changing the channels where these commercials would appear. So think about this. When we first launched this text campaign, it was on CNBC It's the only place that they would let these go. Well, guess who's watching CNBC at, you know, 830, nine o'clock in the morning. Yeah. You know, You're bright and your best right there. Right. People, they want life insurance. They're, they're probably needed. And they decided to switch that station to lifetime television. Well, guess who's watching lifetime television at 11 a.m.? You know, some drunk woman eating bonbons all day. That's what that's who's watching that. (laughs) So, you know, I didn't understand the what we really understand today, which is an omni channel approach. You know, know, it took me months later to figure out how these leads had gone from so great to so bad uh, because I was so focused on my one channel, my one, you know, did I get a, a lead? Did I get a text? And could I get that to a loan officer in a timely fashion? So. It was an opportunity missed because we we closed it as fast as we opened it. But it was a great learning lesson to realize you have to work across all teams and collaboratively.
2: So, Catherine, you and I have been working together for almost five years now in various roles throughout the years. And as I say, that's the one thing that stood out for me. And It sounds like you've learned over time how to bridge the gap between sales and marketing. My past is a sales marketing, called it myself a marriage counselor. I feel like you've done a really good job of that in the past of, Building a relationship with the sales team while, you know, holding them accountable at times, but also, you know, giving them the information and being a good partner. Can you expand a little bit about maybe some strategies you found for the marketers out there that are struggling with connecting with the salesperson or sales team?
1: Absolutely. So at the end of the day, marketers really aren't salespeople and salespeople really aren't marketers. They don't know what to do. The great thing about salespeople, particularly really entrepreneurial ones, is they want to do something. So when you set the boundaries, when you say, look, here's the boundaries you can live within, and this is why. For instance, I had somebody approach me and say, hey, I want to learn, will you please teach my branch all about how we can improve our Google business page? So let's imagine there's like 15 loan officers in this branch. Well, if they all had Google listings and they all tried to compete with their their little bit of business, right, across the entire region, they're just competing with each other. They'd be lucky to ever get a priority out of Google for a quality score that would be high-end enough to -hmm. appear as a result to really, you know, get momentum Mm -hmm. and traffic. So the boundary is you may not have personal listings on Google pages. It's like, what? You know, who's this marketer coming in here and telling me I can't have a Google? And because the goal is, what is the goal for having a Google listing to get new business? To do that, we need to prioritize the branches, one, which means collectively all of your reviews go into this one which means that the google will prioritize us in your msa and the likelihood of you getting significantly more businesses there how you distribute that we can work with but that is the goal so no so it is you know it's it's having really clear boundaries giving them some creative room it, it, social media jimmy is the perfect example you know what can i do you know is it really just about how many shares and likes i can get or can i stay top of mind with doing video you know in this format so that's where look We all are here to grow our companies. And if you look at the bottom line in the mortgage industry today, it is still largely a retail presence that is generating revenue. So to disserve them in any way or believe that digital is a focus outside of the goals of the loan officers is really misunderstanding the market.
0: Social media, particularly like here, you're talking about things that you've failed. You really have to do it a lot of times to understand what doesn't work. So that you can do what does work, and that's why we kind of open it up with a couple of personal things. Because look, this isn't a sales pitch for Shape. It's a, it's a, or Animac. It's a, it's a recording that we're doing as people, you know. And people buy from people, and that's what people, that's I think, a lot of times miss right. is that sales is not equal to marketing. But you kind of you have to do both, and to separate the two is challenging.
1: That's right, and it's very difficult for the C-suite, let's say, you know, this is something I've always talked to my CEOs about for years is you weren't supposed to ask me all the marketing questions. You really should have asked in that interview, by the way, because you would have to really understand marketing, particularly digital marketing, some of the technology, and largely CEOs are still across the board, not familiar with these things in this industry, you know, being the most laggard to technology. So how could they know how to interview people? How could they know what to ask? So you're really trusting that if I say I've had success, that just means success you're not saying well exactly you know how did you build links for that you know where did you do lead distribution did you score it first they don't even understand that those those conversations and so it's difficult for these guys to find the right people who actually know what they're doing
0: 100% agree so we're we're going to actually jump into a couple things about shape and I, like here the all of animac just is currently onboarding uh, with shape so it's 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 very fresh and Scott and I are both pumped to ask you this, but what would you say is the most exciting thing that you've seen about, like about shape when compared to a previous solution? And yeah, I mean, basically, what are you most excited about implementing that exists already in shape?
1: So, you know, I have always, with my marketing teams, had a a real clear mission of what it is that we're doing, a plan to accomplish those goals based on the company's needs And then I have this little side marketing gig that we always we do called Surprise and Delight. And we always have a Surprise and Delight campaign going internally. We don't tell people we're going to be doing some social media post with your headshot really big that, you know, just that's not even necessary. Just like you don't even have to think about it. We just Surprise and Delight. And today in the technology space of mortgage, it is sorely lacking Surprise and Delights. It is mostly challenging. It is a fierce competition where people are less collaborative than they should be in a quickly evolving industry. Hmm. So you're now having to have people be experts at the technology to understand how to get these partners to play well together. And it has been a, um, not only a sore subject for you know the CFOs of the industry, no doubt about it, But it's been a real challenge to prove that the technology is capable of doing what we ultimately know it could do. So looking for partners is what I do. I do not look for, while I like a composable business model, where we select the tools and the processes we want, and then we align them in a very seamless process, both for our loan officers and our, our customers. It is really having a good corner partner that holds what I call the SSOT. That single source of truth for the company better be the best partner of all the partners you have in your core tech stack. I knew off the bat from a strategic standpoint that Shape would be that solution. There was no doubt about it. You got the brightest and the best and and really a widely utilized and proven success. But when you go into Shape, the surprise and delight is like, yeah. You know, I'm so proud to show it to loan officers. I can't wait for them to see it. It's not like, oh, my gosh, we have that training. Let's let's just stay positive and convince them they can do this. It is uh, relatively intuitive. It was built for salespeople with the capability of marketers, particularly professional marketers, being able to utilize it as an enterprise tool in the back end. And I think what what's happened is the, the easier the CRMs got for the front end for the loan officer that were smart, the less sophisticated they were at an enterprise level. And they became a very one-to-one technology that that was kind of hard to justify as your business, you know, ebbed and flowed, the LO could just decide whether or not they wanted to use it. We needed a tool that the corporation could use, right? Um, and that we could not live without. And so it is both the sophistication, the simplicity, and the surprise and delight that we were looking for.
2: I love this because I remember calls, me and you, probably three years ago, where we're just beating our heads against the wall saying, why is there not a solution that does all of these things? And why do we have to go build this little partnership for this one little piece? Why can't it exist in the system? You and I have had those conversations for years. And that's why I was so excited about bringing, bringing you in and getting you involved and You know, and and getting to have these strategy sessions with you to really go through the the setup and configuration and new ideas and ideating on new things because guess what? It's possible. Like you and I could dream something up really quick. And I bet you we could have it in production in the next week or two. Like that's where we live with shape. And it's so exciting. I wanna ask you, do you remember back as you look back three or four years, you know, what are some of the like like maybe specific pain point, a pain point or two? that you know shape is solving for you that you couldn't do and, and with other solutions that were out there. It could be related to your alerts, could be related to your 10 of three application that we've worked with in the past. What are one or two things you, that come to the top of mind that you're just so excited to, to get started with from a pain point perspective to relieve?
1: Sure. Well, let's look at it from a company standpoint and then an, an individual LO standpoint. From a company standpoint, we historically, Scott, this is what you and I were doing, Let's build this out and Velocify for the consumer direct team. Right. Let's build this out in our CRM for the traditional team. Let's build this out for the ops team to be able to pass documentation or data. And and that single source of truth did not exist. And, and today, you know, going back to that word omnichannel, because I do believe even though that seems kind of dated, it's it's not anymore. It's, it's sort of coming back where. If somebody says, I know I'm working with Annie Mac, I can't remember the guy's name because he did my pre-approval like a month ago and I can't find that email, and calls Annie Mac's 800 number, mm-hmm. says, I can't remember the guy's name. Seriously, do you know how many companies right now would have to start like this? Um, well, how tall was he? I mean, uh, was he a uh, older guy? Young? I mean, like, you know, there would be no way for someone at the front desk to just search through an email address and figure out who this person has been working with. And what so you have not only just, you know, an easier path for communication across departments, but the efficiency. Time is money. And and that is where, you know, some people in this industry are still not quite getting the fact that time is money and the only way to increase your efficiency is through util- utilizing a single technology across departments. Hmm. From the LO perspective, how long have ella been saying, is it an app? I want an app. Can I get an app? Oh, OK, well, it's mobile optimized. OK, well, nice. But could it be an app if they want an app, build an app? Right. So you guys did that. It's a beautiful app. It's super simple. It integrates with everything. And Open API is is so critical for us to not be limited to what you decide we can do with our data. If there's one thing that is so frustrating to me across the industry right now is I keep sort of asking these technology partners, would they mind if we use our data this way? And it's it's a ludicrous conversation. And then even if they say yes, they'll say, okay, I'll send you an invoice for $15,000 and then we'll go ahead and do, do that integration for you to use your data so you know that's insane and and i'm not suggesting that everybody has developers but certainly at this point in the game we should all be you know very comfortable with some either third party party resources or internal resources that can integrate ourselves with flexible APIs like Shape has, so the the loan officer to what do they want to do? They want to get in and get out. They want to get in and figure out what it is they need to do. They want to click to call once they do it. They want their priority list without having to think about it. That's that very sophisticated piece that AI does out of your tool, and they want to know that they don't have to think, you know what we what we could be doing. The biggest philosophy I have um, at Annie Mac and really for a lot of my tech partners is we need to go from what is a good idea and what is the right idea. Mm -hmm. Right. What is a good thing to do? You know, it'd be good. You know, it'd be cool. You know what we could do. and Let's have 700 roles, you know, because we could we can do all these things. Right. Versus what is right for this company and what is right for the conversation with the borrower that is only going to be doing this every four or five years of their their lives so it's actually a pared down version of some of the sophistication that people got really excited about and it's what we've already learned from other industries having been basically the last industry to really evolve to a digital experience
2: love
0: it i mean wow you're you're saying things that I say like every day. Like yeah. I, I think the, the best the best thing you said that I just like made my ears perk is don't make me think. And the, the thing is, is that okay, pre well, prima donna salesperson, loan officer, go golfing and go have some drinks or something. You know, I mean that's just kind of like the the high-level kind of judgment that happens. But the truth is, is that if you don't have to have the loan officer or the salesperson think, guess what? They're gonna do. And I I think the biggest thing is to get in, call your list, get in and get out. Yes. Yes. That's what every salesperson wants. Even if they think they don't want it, you were mentioning this. It's like, what is the best way to do it? What is not, not what you think is the best. What is the actual best? And if you can be humble enough to know that you don't know what the best is and humble enough to know that, Hey, based on billions of records this is the best way. And based on AI tracking what your um, ideal customer profile is, this is the next best person to call. And to just trust it and just make the call, I think that's a game changer. You can make 100 more calls in a day. And I, I think that that's huge. So how do you envision a loan officer using this and doing what you were saying in it, w- w- earlier about, oh my God, I'm so excited to show them this? what are you so so excited to show them and how is it going to help with user adoption?
1: Great question. So here's one thing that Antimac is so impressive. It's a larger company than I was before. So in a a little more diverse, so you have kind of bigger winners than we had before and, and more newer people than, than I'm used to working with and across the board, I am so impressed because these loan officers really do not mind data input. You know, we so often think, oh, loan officers or salespeople in general, right? You can never get them to use the CRM. They hate using the CRM. I don't find that to be true at all. They don't like the friction between what they know and how to enter that data somewhere. And this is completely frictionless. It is intuitive, like I said. It is clear, the actual design. So remember, with with all technologies, we have a UI and a UX We have a user interface. Where exactly do I click to make something happen? And then how easy is it? How slick is it? How modern is it? How do I feel about it, right? And so this is by far the best UI UX experience I have seen. And when you can help a loan officer who, you know, salespeople are emotional anyway. This is a highly emotional game. It's a very consequential game. It's a very expensive game that they are playing every single day. And if you can make them feel good about it, while making the UI very simple to do, the adoption becomes very simple. I literally had our chief people officer who is over the regional managers, who's over the, the head of sales, you know, so he really runs all the sales and recruiting. And he said, I'm not going to kid you, I could see using this myself, you know, and think about it. He's not necessarily tracking the recruits, you know, he gets reporting, he has all sorts of people reporting to him on everything he needs. And yet he's like, I've actually needed a tool like this. And it's the same here. I work with a lot of vendors, right? I work with a lot of different departments within those vendors. I want to remember who they are, what the last conversation is that we had, where the contract sets, you know, what the dates are. There is a need for everyone in business to be using a CRM. And it should be at a level where if my CEO wants to understand why I'm working with Shape or why I'm working with any vendor, he should be able to access my database, look at the last conversations I've had with those people, see those contracts. So again, the efficiency, it's not like, well, let me shoot an email off to vendor management and then they're going to ask internal counsel about the contract and then he's going you know, <laughs> to ask an assistant. And that's really what we're doing today without something as as slick and as easy to access as shape, that is what we're doing. And so across the board, it is uh, will be highly adopted by the whole company.
2: I've used the analogy a lot lately about uh, back in my day when we had two vehicles. We had two vehicles in the family. One was a little older. One was brand new. And it was like in the mornings that I knew I got to drive the nice car. I was up, pepping my step, ready to go, using the new technology, the, the you know AirPlay, CarPlay, whatever it is. Like that's cool. The days that I had to get up and go drive the older car, and I got to plug everything in, all that stuff—I'm not as excited. It's the same thing as it relates to the CRM. If you're excited about it, it's cool to use. It's fun to use. Makes your life easy. Probably waking up every morning, ready to go to work, a little pep in your step. I completely um, agree. Which, by the way, we used to have a minivan and in, in, in another car, and so that was like even worse. By the way, the minivan—you'd
1: <laughs> rather just run alongside the minivan, <laughs> exactly. Just take the
2: bike, exactly. Go back a little bit in time uh, with me when. You know it relates to the uh the link pushers, the people pushing the links out, or those that you know, you really are driving customers through a marketing efforts to to a place where they would feel comfortable to start filling an app filling out an application. One of the things that that you taught me uh years ago in that I you know I, I looked at it at the time thinking, why would you do that? And then as I thought about it, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's the best idea ever. And I stole it from you and I told you I stole it from you and we implemented it with other people. But The idea was that when a customer started an online application and they have not talked to you yet, maybe they had a brief conversation, your idea was I want to call them right before they're getting to the points where I know they're going to fall out. I want to pick up the phone and call them and say, hey, I know you're filling out the application. You're about to hit a spot here that you're going to have some questions about. Let me go and answer those for you real quick and proactively communicate with them and then let let them finish the application versus just letting them drop off. And then you got to go track them down after the fact. So you and I worked together to implement a process that allowed that to happen. Now we had to create all of these crazy workarounds. What I'm excited about Shape is that it gives us the ability between multi-lead owner, multi-statuses. We're able to do things much differently and tell a story much better uh, and have a better workflow. But can you go back to that time and just maybe tell the story about how you came to that kind of conclusion based on what you were seeing with all of the marketing that you were doing at the time to drive customers to the application?
1: Absolutely. I love this one. And thanks for bringing it up, Scott. So here's what's happening when we go direct to the borrower, right? So that, we may put a borrower through as many as 11 technologies. If you think everything from Google Analytics into, um, you know, a lead uh, generation, like maybe a, a, an online form from a downloadable guide, let's say, then, and then into a point of sale system and then into pulling credit and the, obviously, you know, the, the LOS and pricing engines and closing docs. And, you know, so if you think about all the technologies we put somebody through, the data lives in all of them right so gathering that data to one core place where we can start to measure where the abandonment happened right so i think you and i discussed this once i call it my cpg right what's my cost per goldilocks what is the goldilocks metric that says at this point the abandonment is more is more has higher potential and so what we really want to do is engage very deep at that point where we don't want them to, you know, I just opened, I just entered my first name and you're already calling, right? So it's like you said apply online, I'm trying and you interrupted me, right? But that, that what is that Goldilocks metric that says this is the place? So what we did at the time is we had to, to implement a Google Tag Manager event and we set those events throughout the point of sales system and then we triggered that back to a sales team. So now you have Google Analytics. Google tag manager, website management, off to a um, a lead distribution tool, right? So <laughs> you know, you're just like, okay, and then we're going to put it all into a business intelligence tool. And we're going to figure all this out, right? And we did it. And we did do it. It was complex, unnecessarily complex, but that was the only option even just a couple of years ago, right? So for Shape to be able to encompass all that data in one place, be more efficient, and then again, have one place that not only the consumer direct team, so you talk about speed to lead, really who's on deck to be able to hit that metric you know, in response as fast as, as we need it, that's largely going to be people that are in consumer direct. So to be able to get that off to somebody that can at least initiate the conversation, potentially get the application completed, and then potentially pass that application off to someone in retail, if we do that in different systems, which a lot of people are doing, that is not omni-channel for the borrower that is a terrible experience for the borrower you've now messed up email communications and the automations that go out you have confused the loan operating system and you've potentially even confused um you know compliance so this is long overdue that readily available information that everyone needs and simplifies the experience for the borrower is all in one system.
0: I think we've touched on the, on, on this several times. Uh, how is it going to improve the lives of, here, let's be real, the, the core of a, of a mortgage company is loan officers. You have C-suite, sure. We have marketers, we have all this stuff, sure. But how is it going to improve the life of a loan officer?
1: So before Shape, we had about 10% participation rate in a CRM. Okay. Mm. I don't care how genius your journeys are. If I don't know you should be in one, you're not getting it, right? So <laughs> mm. you want to talk about making a loan officer's life easier is the ability to act in real time because now we have behavioral data, right? Coming in through shape. And anytime there is a a mortgage behavior that can initiate a communication, that through that technology makes the loan officer the hero for the timeliness of that communication. They're happy. What used to happen, you know, particularly a couple of years ago, something would happen with you know, the CRM and email would go out to the wrong people, whatever happened. And then the loan officers would call really upset, like, oh my gosh, a realtor just called me and she doesn't understand why she got this email. And, and then I had this borrower called me and he doesn't understand because I helped him last year. And I what else can you say? It's kind of like, oh, did a realtor call you? Really? Did I get a realtor to call you? That's fantastic! <laughs> hey. And and I can't even tell you how many times they would say, well, actually, I, I did get a lead out of the deal. You know, I'm like okay, you know, we had a realtor call. But you, you're constantly trying to kind of convince them. Hang in here with me. We're figuring out you know the technology too. So that really is not acceptable anymore. But if we don't have high engagement across the board, we cannot help the loan officer. So also, loan officers are savvier today. This is not 2018. They've come a long way. You know, I, I say it in, in every uh, podcast, you got to hurt them to heal them, right? That's what we say down here in Charlotte, North Carolina. You got to hurt them to heal them. Well, they've been really hurt, and today hurt more than ever. And what we talk about is the wave, you know, the wind. Wendy's, Dave, what's his name? The wave? Yep. When, when you've had a rush... Two o'clock and you have no idea why you got so slammed at two o'clock at Wendy's and the fries are flying and the grease is going and, you know, everybody's busy. When that calms down, you don't go, you know, smoke break. Let's all walk outside for a little bit because there's another wave coming. That is the energy of fast food. That's the way it works. The wave is coming. Our waves are not in hours like fast food. Our waves are often in months and in this case, potentially years what else are you going to do with it there is going to be an end of 2024 right we are going to see the other side of this and how you look when you get on the other side should not be you know i shouldn't have wasted all that time because the people that didn't waste time will replace the people that did Hmm. because the consumer expectation is now so much higher between 2020 and 2021 we put people through about seven trillion dollars in mortgages, okay? In an $11 trillion industry, we replace $7 trillion of that business. So in 2018, when I said, send out the link, you know, use the automations, put them in the journeys. They're not going to say, gosh, the last time I had a digital you know, mortgage, it was so much different than this. There was no last time, just do it, right? Today, there was a last time. And we sh- not only have better tools and capabilities, we should have better information and we should be getting this right today. So if your company is not, come to Mac because we are, <laughs> that's all I can say. It is really inexcusable anymore that we're acting like we're learning. We're five years into this. We should know these systems. We should meet the customer expectation. And that makes the loan officer super happy.
0: Boy, 100%, just to dig a little bit deeper. It's, I mean, you're touching a little bit on data integrity as well. And I feel like because whenever you have 10 different systems, They all don't talk to each other the right ways. If you have one solution for everything, number one, you have data integrity. But okay, great, that's a feature, but what's the benefit? A loan officer can go in and know that it's legit, doesn't have to like overthink it. Like, did I put this in the right way? Am I actually calling the next best person on my list? Or is this all a bunch of BS? And I I feel like user adoption starts with data integrity, it needs to be. It needs to be the right stuff
1: and not where you know i will say one thing that has been difficult for loan officers is we've thrown so much technology at them you know we we run a total of 52 technologies that touch loan officers at this Mm -hmm. company we cannot expect them to remember that many logins, to remember the names. I went back and forth with this with this uh, vendor management person the other day. She's like, so we are going to uh, continue the contract with Maxa. Yes. And we're expanding we're expanding it. Well, no, we're not going to expand it. We went back and forth on Maxa and we were really talking about Moxie, but I didn't realize because she said Maxa. And it's like, this is just so confusing, right? All of these technologies start to sound the same, look the same. You don't understand what they do. You get lost in where you should go. And so that, that same single sign-on from from a single solution, again, the critical point of having the open API, that data integrity is, is not lost because it's inaccurate somewhere, it's because they didn't know where to find it. So, if they know exactly that they can go to one place and find all of the data from all of the solutions, it makes, again, the efficiency of the borrower. Talk about putting a loan officer on a spot, call and say, where's my loan, what's going on? And then go, right here. That is a nice
2: feeling. You've spoken to CEOs, CFOs, CMOs all over the industry as it relates to vendors. I'd like to hear maybe just your thoughts on the people, the executive team, of shaped that you've gotten to spend some time with, and your thoughts on how you feel about you know the the, the believe in them factor. The like I'm I want to go to go to you know war or, or really work with the, this team. I know you've worked with multiple vendors over time. You mentioned you have a lot already today, but as you spend time with our executive team, which by the way, me and Jimmy. I guess we're executives with our chief roles now, but but let's say, you know, the rest of the team, what are some of those conversations been like and how do you feel about kind of go forward based on those?
1: Well, all the way up to Anthony Gutierrez, it has been a very hands-on engaging process. One of the challenges the industry has had is that we've had really smart CEOs from technology recognize it can't possibly be this hard. I can build it. And really smart CEOs of Uh, Lending companies say, you know, uh, it is that hard. You can't just run technology through that. Uh, Compliance managers coming in. And and so there's this sort of um, battle of um, value systems is what it's really been about. Right. Which which just means that egos get in the way. And there hasn't necessarily been a great collaboration between the capabilities of both because it is a highly regulated industry. And at the same time, it must be easier than this. Right. Anthony's background is being a loan officer. Uh, And of course, you know, a a big thing that I look at when I consider technologies is where are you located? Not that we are not remote employees today and you couldn't hire people everywhere, but your mindset, where you bump into people in a coffee shop, how much you are keeping up with, with the capabilities of technology at large, especially with the mass onboarding and evolution, really revolution of AI, you know, where are you? And being in San Diego and having that uh, mortgage background helped Anthony build out the team that and, and look at the people he's bringing on, look at you guys, you know, it. I mean, you would not be here unless you were working with the smartest people. And that's, you know, one of the things I learned very early in technology is find the smartest people you can possibly work with and do something you think you're not quite ready to do, right? Because it makes you just a little nervous and it gets you, you know, a little more paying attention to what's going on, you know, advance yourself. So uh, I think he did that in a really smart way. And then, you know, that sort of helped him acquire the talent because just because you have a great idea does not mean you have the development power to actually implement that both again, from the UI and UX perspectives, that's difficult to do so. Uh, it's just been an amazing process. I mean, Anthony and I have each other's personal cell phone numbers. He'll just call me and say, look, I'm skip the email. Here's the deal. (laughs) Like, okay, great. Can I get that last page signed? I'm sending it over now. You know, let's just get this done. You know, enough of the bureaucracy, very simple to, and I don't want to say negotiate like, you know, trying to, trying to bid anybody down or them trying to get more out of us or what it is, but just what makes sense today. And in a very, you know, evolutionary state of the industry where the the turnover is high, you know, coming in and coming out um, and onboarding other companies. We acquired three additional companies in the last year and a half. You know, this is, you know, quickly evolving. How can I set a contract in stone for some length of time when I really cannot predict the future in such a volatile market? Uh, So just extremely flexible, logical. The onboarding team, I mean, just Wow, patient hand holding. You know we're pretty smart too. We we know what we're doing. We've got some fantastic technologists on our team, but at the same time, everybody's nervous. You know this is not a time to make a mistake. We did have a very difficult CRM solution before, so we certainly could not make another mistake. And the team was just incredibly patient and engaged with us through the whole thing.
0: Speaking to Anthony, I gotta say the company would not be what it is unless someone that actually was a loan officer actually called leads at a high clip, actually used a system, struggled with a system, man, it should do this, you know, type, type of thing. And not only that, but was a top producer, you know, I mean, it, it really is Anthony's he's on a different level. I mean, I, I know I speak for Scott when I say this, but we, I mean, we both have just nothing but respect for the guy and because we both done it too and failed and, beat our heads against the wall. It should do this and not cost $100,000 to program. My God. I, I, yeah, you were talking about working with Scott. Me too. I, I did the same thing in in, 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 a, in a different CRM system or solution. And yeah, it's, it's, it's costly. And a lot of times you have to give up halfway. And ha- it's half-built bridge. Half-built bridges are costly. And worse, they lead to nowhere. So exactly right. w- w- where are you at? Okay, so we talked about onboarding. I want to compare this. So, a lot of like here, you've dreaded onboarding at other at, with other types of solutions, and boy, me too. Just being a loan officer at companies, I would dread like, okay, great, what is this going to do? And it's generally a smoke and mirrors. Like, okay, I'm not going to do this. Like, you're five minutes in, and you're just like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not doing it. How has like, look, you're like right in the middle of onboarding, and how has the loan officers from AniMac? How have they actually absorbed it? What have been some of the things that they've been saying? What's the feedback been from the ground level?
1: So it's really important that there's a phased approach when you're making this much change, and that it's you know you don't take more to, on more than you can handle because there might just be a failure in execution, not necessarily a failure in the capability of the technology itself. So we're taking a very phased approach. We have a you know a pilot team who you know is, is, is starting to play with it and, and find anything else that they want. You know again, all the surprise and delights, the real kind of enthusiasm for it. And then we have an actual launch plan around that. We have a set of the technologists who are supporting the trainers. and then you know the trainers and uh, making sure that the documentation you know lives in a place that's easy to find, shape. It has just fantastic AI that has that already. And then we also have capacity where you can ask Annie anything you want. And so that that is there as well. So making sure that you have all of the resources in place before you actually release it and then you make it fun. So our campaign is um, get in shape right? Yeah. Okay. Because we, we want you to get in shape, right? And then, you know, so you, I, we, we were just kind of wrapping up exactly what the the tchotchkes will be if it's like a sweatband or you know whatever, a water bottle, like you know, get in shape. So, you know, make it fun, you know, make it clear, give them something tangible that they can set next to their desk and go, okay, wait, I got to try this again. Let me, let me go figure this out. Right. And more importantly than ever, just because We roll something out does not mean that a loan officer is ready to learn it. I mean, life is life. I mean, you literally can have things going on in your life. You just cannot take on one more thing. And then also, you know, you might be busy or or you might not even be around. So having, you know, several opportunities for onboarding, you know, training. And then every quarter, we have already set up a Shape 101 and a Shape 201. So, we obviously have new loan officers joining us all the time, fortunately. So, they need to attend those 101s just because it's loaded the first time they've seen it. But, and it's not always getting your questions answered out of recorded content. But then also, you never know. Some loan officer could be doing this, you know, for four or five months, resisting, resisting all the 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 noise out there is, you know, how cool shape is. And he's like, OK, I'm now I'm ready to learn it. So great. Here's the next one on one. Jump on board. It's never too late. So it is not a, a um, you know, I say this a lot about technology, particularly in this industry, being on the ground floor of a revolution like we are going through. We are the people transitioning this industry from where it was to where it's going. It is not someone's job. It is not the IT department's job. We are it. We are explaining it to the consumer. We are explaining it to our realtors. We didn't realize we were on deck to explain it to title companies and appraisers. And this is where you're gonna get the link in. But we're at, the lenders are on deck to learn it all. And it is not a punishment. It is not a punishment. It is a privilege. Because the people who come out on the other side of this are going to be able to serve borrowers like they never have before in a much more efficient way that makes their lives better too. So if people, you know, get that mindset shift from having to, to thank goodness, let's, let's get on the ground floor of this. It makes it much easier.
2: I love that. No, I mean, I really like the, 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 not a punishment. It's a privilege to do it. And, you know, I think for those companies that are doing it right now, or the ones that are going to be so far ahead, you mentioned early on, is that Hey, it's not just a punishment, it's a privilege, but oh, by the way, your competitor down the street, they're not doing this right now. They're not taking the extra reps. They're not in the gym at 6 o'clock in the morning getting in shape like you are. Like those types of things, you're going to come out ahead. And so, yeah, I think it's, uh, it's awesome. I'm just, I'm just so proud to be part of it. So if you were just to say this shortly, like
0: in a tweet, well, I'm doing top three. So top That's three exactly. features and benefits of shape that you've seen so far and granted this is new so like i I, like what's like the flashy cool oh my god it does this what would be the top three things that that shape is a solution
1: Well, no doubt about it, the AI piece where it can actually write your content for you, your email, your text, um, suggests that you actually take an action is absolutely incredible. The other AI piece of scoring, what is um, your priority list for the day? You know, what, what you've decided is important to you will be scored, and then it would learn that over time and make sure that it keeps prioritizing it for you so that you're not rethinking, where should I start today? And then the marketing, you know, capability to integrate is absolutely incredible so that we're not limited to where we can pass data to send automated communications out. So it's it's much more simple in the back end than anything else we've used. And those would be my top three.
0: Love it. Scott, I want you to make a crazy idea right now and get reaction from Catherine.
2: You know, it goes back to the to the application part of it, but I think I'm gonna pivot a little bit to I mean, we talked about the application part where you know, we can get the call made, interrupt them, but also not interrupting and helping them. You know, I want to get your thoughts on the idea of using video in a workflow. So let's just say, you know, normally a prioritized view is going to have your leads that you need to call. And that's how it's always been trained. Call, 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 make all your calls. But I think it's much more. So what would you think about a way that would essentially say, hey, this priority queue record, we don't want you to call it right now. We want you to record a video. And we want you to mention one of these three things or a combination of these three things, which was an AI-driven kind of concept that was able to look at all the data to understand the status, understand maybe even like their pet's name or their kid was playing soccer, give you three things to say, here are some things we would like you to record on a personal video. Turn your camera on, record that video, press a button, or you know say I'm done, hit stop, and then have that sent to the customer via text, via email, and better yet, on top of it all, guess what, we're gonna track whether or not they've opened it, we're gonna track how far the video did they watch, and those customers over time who are more engaged with videos, guess what, more of their workflows down the road, we may not even like uh, try to match these customers, say these customers that look like this like video, so let's do more video over time. What are your thoughts on something like that with, with AI?
1: absolutely love it. I mean, that's, this is where we're going. You know, we, this is not five years ago. That's what I keep trying to say. You know, don't start thinking, well, gosh, okay, when was the last time we were making a lot of money five years ago? Well, let's go back in and see what, you know, what that looks like, you know, uh, obviously just a few years ago, we were making a lot of money, but that's where people were not adopting technology at all. Right. Because they were so busy. They weren't even looking at this stuff. So we're, what we've been doing in the technology world is getting really busy while they were really busy. And now we've come out with these solutions and, It's got to go to the next level because again, the consumer is more ready than we are. So how do consumers ingest data? How do they want to find their content and review their content? And video, we know the success of that in social media. We certainly know we could drive them to YouTube for learning videos and that type of thing. Those are very successful campaigns. So what a great idea for it to be customized. It's right now, it's timely data and I don't have to think about it. I think it's genius, can't wait. We are doing this then, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. We're, we're, we're your pilot team on this.
2: That's coming soon. <laughs> yes.
0: exists in shape right now. I think even a nerd out on it further, uh, Scott and Catherine is, you know, if you're a baby boomer, you probably don't want a video or a text or even an email. You probably want a phone call. What if AI just says, hey, this is someone from the baby boomer generation. They probably want to show up on a call list. And the Gen X, I want an email. The Gen The Gen Y, the Gen Z, DM me or send me a video. You know what I mean? And I feel like that's that really, that's like the level three problems that need to be solved. But I feel like that's the direction that we're headed. Why not have something that can actually do it and we can evolve with it and press play? So we talked a lot about shape. My goodness, what a ambassador Catherine is for shape. I want to talk a little bit about Animac and I'm, I'm just to be blown with it here. Why should someone come to work for Animac?
1: Mac is a perfect mix of visionary, understanding the future, where the product is headed, where the industry is headed, but having a strong sense of what uh, a traditional loan officer needs to feel supported. So sometimes people get so visionary, you know, they lose sight of what they need today. It's like, that's really cool. And I hope we build that for a year from now. But we need this today. And so they're very focused on the right now, but really open to hearing what is possible and really open to trying what is possible. So uh, I would say that they are by far the sharpest group of business developers I've ever met in this industry across the board. So they are going to make sure that they get the support that everybody needs while they help grow these teams. They're at it every single day. The reporting is phenomenal. And the technology's good. So, you know, again, visionary enough to have all of the bells and whistles that loan officers should have today, but very focused on their needs, you know, based on wherever they live and their evolution of the product.
0: And just a little bit deeper, I guess, what would somebody be missing if they didn't work for Animat?
1: Well, let's start, you know, let me say this a lot because so we actually have a program called Cash to Keys. And what where they're so smart is that they recognize it's not only the loan officer that's having to evolve in a very competitive market that that you know that we're in, but the borrower is. You know how can the borrower win a house? And so they actually develop and work with creating new products that are great solutions for the borrower and realtors. So bringing we do regular realtor events where we invite is come learn about how to place a cash offer, literally move now, sell later. We'll we'll own the other home. You can live in either home you want. It's an incredible program called Cash to Keys. So, you know, that in and of itself in such a timeliness when, when Joe Panabianco could see that the market was changing and we needed to introduce a product such as this, started reeling in the realtors like, okay, how do we win these deals? Help us with this. Who's this anti company? I'm going to hop onto these webinars. We're distributing a minimum of 10 realtors per new LOs that come on board. And we gather around 300 realtors across the country, most of which have never even done deals with us wow. every single month. So, you know, it is not just about getting the business and helping you grow your business. It's not just supporting you in, in the latest technology. It's getting the end user products that are needed where the market lives.
0: Well, I mean, it's just leading with value. I mean, it's just like, what do you know? That works, (laughs) you you know? You have so much experience. You're so well-respected in this space. This It's kind of a two question in one, but if you were just starting out, say the 20-year-old you, what would be the best advice that you would give to someone to succeed in sales? And then to succeed in marketing.
1: So sales, let's start there. Show up. Show up every single day. You know, particularly in such a a challenged market, people get down and out. They don't think they can do it today. You know, they start beating themselves up. Uh, and then someone else is taking the donuts to the office, right? So whatever it is, you show up even if you have nothing great to say because the market may not be great, you may not have any pre-qualified borrowers for a realtor. You might you know go to a BNI group and say, you know, I don't have anyone to share with you guys right now. So don't not go to the BNI group. Go, show up, show up, show up. Because when people say, here's the deal, that guy is still in the business. You know, I keep seeing that guy. So in sales, you've got to just keep showing up. That's on social media, that's quick videos, that's going to, you know, all of the events show up. For marketers, it's learning. It is really learning because there is about, I really consider my, about 15% of my job and I actually try when I can to book my schedule to fit in just white papers and webinars and podcasts like this because we are in an ever evolving industry. This doesn't, this is not ending right. That the, what we need to learn, how this evolves is not ending. So get in and learn, find the expertise because, you know, back in my day, we were figuring it all out. You know, how do you do social media and run a display campaign, you know, and get your email marketing to work today we have the, you know, the good fortune of, of having specialists. So, you know, figure out where it is you really want to, to dive deep into and start to learn and provide, you know, reporting and understanding, what an ROI actually is. So just learn.
0: Show up and never stop learning. I love it. Uh, Great advice from Catherine Campbell. I I really want to thank you, Catherine, for joining us. Uh, Scott, I mean, this is our best show for sure. I I mean, I'm not even ashamed to say it. I
2: knew it would be. be.
0: And hey, we want to especially thank our audience for for joining us today. Uh, Once again, this has been ShapeShift. I'm your host, Jimmy Ryan. And I'm
2: your host, Scott Payne. Thanks for joining everybody.
1: Thanks Thank so much you for listening. Thanks, guys.